Hello and welcome to episode 251 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm a Manny Manuel. May the fourth be with you. And that is probably the last time I'll be saying that for a while. Yeah. We have made our triumphant way through the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. We have slogged our way through the prequels. Yeah. And uh, we took the roller coaster ride that is the sequels. Mm -hmm. We even made a pit stop at Solo long time ago. We did. On the Solo Express. We have not really confirmed that we won't do it next year Mm -hmm. because we did do Solo prior to actually doing Star Wars Day. That's true. Yeah, it wasn't really for uh, Star Wars Day. It was for the release. So we can still maybe talk about that. To be honest, don't remember finding any reason to rewatch Solo at all. Not to say I wouldn't revisit it ever. the only reason I would want to redo it is to actually revisit it. Yeah. Because I think, well, obviously we saw it in theaters when it came out because that's when we reviewed it. I don't think I've watched it since. I've barely thought about it since. And that's if I'm being five honest. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm open. So as of as of this point in uh, on April, what is it today? The twenty seventh. On April twenty seventh of two thousand twenty three. There are but 11 Star Wars films made. Mm-hmm. We have reviewed 10 of them. Yeah. The 11th is Rogue One. Yes. Which is today, which is one I'm very excited for. We, we've talked about this film a couple times off air. Yeah. And we've yet to actually have an opportunity to delve into it in depth. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for, for this too. one. How do you feel about being done with the Star Wars tradition? Pretty fucking excited. Yeah. Yep. The last few have been... I don't know. There's been a, there's been a healthy dose of reluctance. Is that fair to say? Yeah. There's a healthy dose of just us not really wanting to do it. I just realized something that we should have done. What's that? Because we like stats. <sighs> we should have found our average ranking of all eleven. Mm. We like might... average rating. Yeah, our, our average rating. Yeah. I know. I know my ratings for each of them, so I should be able to calculate it on the fly pretty quick. Me too. Okay. We'll try and do we it. We can try to get that. We'll improvise it. Okay. Fly by the seat of our pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, trying to make it a short episode today. Yeah. We're going to be cutting out uh, the what we've been watching. As yes. a matter of fact, I haven't even really been watching anything this week anyway. I've been I, did have some movies, I did have some movies I want to talk about. I have no problem waiting for next week. Cool. Let's do that. So I guess if we got nothing else, man, do you want to just get right into it? Fucking let's get into cool. it. Cool. Let's go. All right, the movie we're reviewing this week is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, released December 16th, 2016, directed by Gareth Edwards, uh, written by Chris Weitz, Tony Gilroy, and John Knoll, uh, starring Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, and Alan Tudyk. has a meta score of 65, but a letterbox score of 3.7, which is, what would that be, roughly 774, 74 meta score. Where do you go? Um... It didn't win any Oscars, but it did have two nominations. I had a nomination for Best Sound Mixing and Best Visual Effects. Had a budget of $200 million. I did not realize it was that high. It grossed $533 million domestically, making it the number one film domestically in 2016. And it it garnered $1.05 billion dollars. And worldwide gross uh, that you're making it the number two film of the year. Of which year, 2016? Yeah. I'm trying to think of which film, which big film. Was there a big Avengers movie that year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avengers, no. MCU, yes. But basically, it's an Avengers film. Oh, Civil War? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the plot. 
In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together on a mission to steal the plans to the Death Star, the Empire's ultimate <clears throat> weapon of destruction. Sam? What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Rogue One, A Star Wars Story? This film has a bit of a reputation. It, uh, it was the first non-Skywalker saga Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And to date, uh, only one of two that are not part of a trilogy. Uh, so both Solo and Rogue One not considered to be a part of any one of the trilogies. Even if they make a third film, it won't be a trilogy necessarily. It'll be a standalone. So a lot of people thought this film was pretty good. I went to go see it in theaters. And I've, this is maybe the third watch that I've had of it. I watched it once in theaters, maybe once more since. I'm, I do not dislike Rogue One, which is what it sounds like I'm going to say. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear me say some bad things about this film. But I want to state one thing off the bat. This is a good movie. Okay. And I want us to remember that. It's a good movie, and I enjoy doing it. But I'm starting to feel a little bit, I think, like you felt with everything everywhere all at once. How just the, mm-hmm. the fandom of it kind of got... It's kind of getting on my nerves a little bit. People are saying, like, wow, what a, what a great standalone movie. The fans of Rogue One, and the Star Wars fans particularly, the Star Wars fans, it gets on my nerves a little bit that this movie is held in as high regard as it is it's okay it's got some in my mind some pretty big problems which we'll we'll certainly get into um the number one thing i've talked to so many people about this movie the number one thing the first thing out of most people's mouths is but the darth vader scene the darth vader hallway scene what about the part where he fucks up all the rebels in the hallway that is objectively an amazing scene and there is no argument there it's an incredible moment one of the best moments in a star wars film maybe ever it is 30 seconds out of a two hour and 10 minute movie or whatever it is 213 213 it's a 30 second scene it's a beautiful 30 second scene one that's right out of a horror movie but it's 30 seconds and can i tack this on as well you can has nothing to do with the movie exactly (laughs) there's a lot on that note there's a lot of fan service in this film some of it like the darth vader hallway scene works spectacularly most of it adds nothing of substance. We get like, I, I guess we're a non-spoiler, so I won't get into the specifics of the fan service moments. If you like them, great. If you like seeing the appearances of little characters that you recognize from the other films, awesome. They really add nothing of value for me personally. Um, what else do we want to go? I should probably try to throw in a nice thing here. We'll try to throw in a nice thing. Uh, Cassian Andor is cool. Like Cassian Andor. I have yet to watch Andor. Uh, I will be treating this as a standalone film. I won't be factoring in any character information from the TV show. I haven't seen it. And even if I had, the film's got to stand on its own merits. But Cassian Andor is cool. Not as cool as he could have been, but he was pretty cool. Okay. Um, K2SO, one of the best droids that we've gotten in Star Wars. Maybe the best since uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, I, would, I, I would fight any of the BB-8 fanboys on that, even though I like BB-8. <laughs> Uh, one of the best droids that we've gotten. K2S was hilarious. Alan Tudyk is uh, doing great work as a voice of K2S, so big fan of that. Most of the ensemble cast is pretty good. The charm that the movie has is largely derived from the fun little character moments we get from the other people. The monk characters whose names escape me. Shirt and Bays. Yeah, great. Love their love their plot. Love K2SO. Love Cassian. Jin. I don't think Jin is a particularly interesting character. I agree. I don't think she has anything of value. They try to do the 
set the character up by reputation by having her rap sheet read out at the beginning, which is a good start, but we don't have those expectations played with at all. Whether she's a criminal or a member of the Alliance, it's all just kind of the same, and she's a very passive protagonist. The sometimes it's a strong word the boredom i feel at times with this film largely comes from the fact that Jin is just kind of along for the ride she doesn't make many decisions a lot of the time she's making decisions kind of against her will or just doing what any decent person would do anyway she has very few moments to actually showcase character which i think is a big problem with the movie if your protagonist is boring no fault of the actress playing her whose name is uh felicity jones no fault of hers. I think she's doing fine. Not, like, great, but fine. I think she has one really good moment. Yeah. But it's one. But the the problem is really with the writing of the character. I, I just don't I just don't think it's that I good. I don't blame her. I don't blame Felicity Jones no. either. So, yeah, that's... I think that might be where I leave this for the most part. Is there any other stuff I really want to tack on before the end? I think that's kind of the... That's kind of the gist of it. It's, it's a good movie. I enjoy it and I will go back to revisit it, but it does get on my nerves that people hold it in really high regard as being like better than any of the sequels, which is just, it's simply not in my opinion. Um, we'll go through any our, of the sequels. It's better than one of the sequels okay. by a wide margin, okay, but that's you. more of a comment on that sequel film than it is on, on this film. Okay. So yeah, um, I think if this film didn't have star Wars in the title, nobody would even think about this movie at all. Nobody would think about it, but it's it's a perfectly fine little action film about a ragtag group of individuals going on a suicide mission. It's fun, it's entertaining, it's got explosions, a couple of good minor characters. It's also got some big writing problems. So we will we'll take that all into advisement as we move forward. Just trying to think of how you would make this movie without Star Wars being attached to it. So you have a... The only thing is, as I'm trying to rationalize how you make this movie without it being a Star Wars movie... <laughs> people would just say it's a Star Wars ripoff because I'm like you have this intergalactic empire building, yeah, truly. A, building a weapon and these people want to find the weakness okay yeah I mean you could in theory turn this into like a World War II espionage film of like a group of allied soldiers trying to infiltrate a Nazi base because um, they have plans for a nuclear weapon yeah something like that okay okay there is actually one more thing that kind of irks me about this movie that oh. I do want to touch on a non-spoiler before we get oh, out you're of gonna here really, you're gonna enjoy this I know interesting the i have a lot to say about this film i've been thinking about this for a long time the reason the film exists also bothers me i mean obviously it exists to make money it exists for you could say a lot of different reasons but narratively the only reason i can come up with for this film existing is to fill a plot hole that bothered star wars fans which seems like a bad reason to make a multiple hundred million dollar movie what i'm referring to is pre-2016 one of the biggest i don't even want to say plot holes just a thing that people would say about star wars is how silly was it that the death star just had a long hole in it that if you threw a bomb into it the entire station blows up that's kind of a stupid flaw why would they make a machine like that and that's the kind of thing that i think people like you and i i hope i hope if we go back to our new hope episode we would say this it doesn't really take away enjoyment from the movie. It's a silly little plot hole that that's just there. Like, oh, whoops, we made a silly little writing mistake, but we needed it to exist because if it's not there, the good guys don't win. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. I don't I don't need there to be any explanation for this. But we pour hundreds of millions of dollars into a production for a story that's kind of like, no, we meant to do that. It's just a it's just a bit obnoxious. 
to me personally. Maybe I'm taking it too personally. You, but can, you, you are. It's always kind of bugged me that this film exists to fill that plot hole. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that's just that's just my opinion. Anyway, okay. I've been talking for long enough. Manny, go right on ahead. Okay, well, I'm going to touch on that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. Because I have the exact opposite feeling. I like that they made a movie to try and cover up a quote-unquote plot hole that Star Wars fans have always, even Star Wars fans and Star Wars haters mm-hmm. have always picked upon with the first Star Wars A New Hope. I like that they decided that they figured out a way to rationalize why it was there. Mm-hmm. That to me, I don't, that doesn't irk me. I'm like, that's fucking inventive. Hmm. It's something people have always talked about. To touch on that aspect of film, we've touched on it before and I've said it. I can't remember if we talked about it on air, but I'm going to go over it again. People need to let their shit go. Mm. It's a fucking movie. It's a fucking movie. If it didn't have that plot hole in it, like you said, the movie wouldn't exist. Plot hole gets air quotes, by the way, for yes. the listeners every time we say it. Yes, it it wouldn't make the movie wouldn't make any the movie wouldn't make any sense. The movie wouldn't exist if there wasn't that weakness in the Death Star. It's like, oh, guess the Empire wins. Yep, that's a fun movie. <laughs> do you want to watch that? And there's a bunch of people right now like, yeah, I do want to watch that. Well, you're a dark fucker. Why don't you just go commit suicide? Okay. Yeah, go watch Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's I'm just kind of really starting to myself personally let go of wanting movies to make sense in the real world. Mm-hmm. They're fucking movies. They are an escape from reality. Mm-hmm. I don't need them to make sense. You and I have harped on it numerous times. If they play within the rules of their universe, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. The example I've always given, I hate to use it as an example, but it's the one that works. The fucking Twilight movies. It's their vampires. Their vampires want to sparkle? Great. Yeah. Fine. Those are your rules. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Doesn't mean I have to watch it. I had to watch them all because I was dating a girl who loved them at the time. But... If that's your rules, fine. I'll live by it as long as you continue to live by it. Now, maybe one day we'll review the Twilight series. Honestly, I really want to because <laughs> I think it would be fucking hilarious. I've seen the first one several times, second one once, and the rest never. Oh, <laughs> damn it. How many are there? Five? Mm, six. Six? Because they split this last Yeah, as they do all the time. Anyways, that opens up a whole world of very horrible ideas. Mm. Um, that being said, I I did love that they spent a couple hundred million dollars to quote unquote fix a plot hole. Uh, I found it inventive and lovely. I had a really good time with this movie when I saw it in theaters at the time. I believe this is probably my third, possibly fourth watch of this. I have a really good time with this movie. I think my enjoyment of this movie was elevated even higher this time because it didn't have the Skywalkers in it. Yeah, I bet. I am fucking sick of the fucking Skywalker family line. I And for those of you freaking out, yeah, I'm fully aware Darth Vader's in here. He's a fucking Skywalker. Also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not integral to the plot. The movie's not about them. There's... <laughs> Darth Vader's got th- three scenes? Uh, two in my mind, but whatever. Yeah, what? However, you want to count them. There's two. There's two for sure and that I know de- of. It depends on whether you count the scene of him, like in the little chamber where yeah. the liquids get flooded out of it. Okay, whatever. So th- the fact that this was a Star Wars film not about the Skywalkers was very appealing to me. I'm the same as you. Uh, I found Jyn Erso to be a very uninteresting main character, but 
everyone around her completely fascinating um Cassian Andor is a fantastic character. I liked him a lot in this movie. I have seen Andor, uh, the series. I'll say this right now. Easily one of the best series I've watched all year. I've heard awesome things about Andor. Easily. It, hmm, I hate to say this, it reignited my love for Star Wars. That's how good it was. Wow. I was like, I can't wait for more shit like this. When you watch, side tangent, when you watch Andor, you're you watching, you're like, oh my god, this is so fucking good. Why can't they do this all the time? Why can't they make, it is, it is an adult-themed Star Wars story. Absolutely magnificent. Back to what we're talking about. The other characters, KTSO, uh, Baze, uh, Sharut, and... I can't never remember um, Sound of Metal Guy's name. Oh, uh, uh, Bodhi. Bodhi, thank you. Um, all of them, really great, and, and obviously KTS. Surprised you forgot that one uh, because <laughs> named after your boy from uh, Point Break. Yeah. Um, so they, like, they never say his name. Like They say it like twice. The rest of the time, he's just the pilot. Yeah. <clears throat> um, everyone's really good and very entertaining. Mads Mikkelsen... The more I see him on screen, the more I fall in love with him. Dude, is that was one of my thoughts as well. Is this guy one of the most underrated actors we got right now? I think he is. He kills it in fucking everything. Um, he's from, I want to say Denmark. Um, Sounds right. Yeah, somewhere uh, Northern European. And uh, yeah, I watched him in this Danish film called The Hunt. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible movie. And, uh, yeah, everything he's, yeah, I was first introduced to him when I watched Casino Royale back when I was like nine years old in 2006. Pretty, pretty sure that was my introduction to him as well. Incredible. Yeah. I, I love everything this guy's in or yeah. love him at least and everything he's in. Um, so I had a, I had a really good time with this movie. Um, the thing is, is I think, my, like I said, my enjoyment of it was lifted because there was no Skywalkers. Yeah. Um, most likely when we get into the spoiler sp- parts and you start kind of breaking down the stuff you didn't like i'm probably not going to be able to disagree with you but i just had a different feeling than you honestly most of the stuff i disagreed with like there's very little like specific stuff i would say it's just more generally like i don't like gin's not just very interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> like um yeah yeah mm. I, I get it mm. um so why don't we uh spoil rogue one sam take us in the spoilers cool um, you have been warned. 2016 is what seven years ago now. So uh, you've been warned. You've been given your chance to watch Rogue One. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Let's spoil this thing. Fire it up. Okay, here's what I'm gonna go first. Oh, I like it. Um, we're gonna start positive, and we're gonna start at the very beginning. It's not what they do; it's what they don't do. Nice. I know exactly where you're going. No title crawl off the beginning with this great orchestral hit. This shocking. From the score from Michael Giacchino. That's really good, by the way. Um, what a great way to start a film. I remember sitting in theaters and being instantly excited. You get the the flash of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we are just so trained. We're like Pavlov's dogs. We're just so trained. Like, okay, we read uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we expect the John Williams fanfare and the title crawl and the whole thing from the Star Wars movie. I really like this as a way of announcing Yes, this is a Star Wars film. Yes, it takes place in the same universe, but this is not 
one of those Star Wars movies, it's different. And it really announces itself right out of the gate. And I just wanted to draw attention to it. This flash to, uh, is it Jeddah that we go to first? Yep. Um, yeah, this flash to just see Jeddah is, uh, is a great, great moment and a great way to start the film. You're investigating deeply. Oh, I'm just I'm just writing down my oh. my scores while you're while you're talking, so sure. I can so I can get my average. Thing yeah, totally. While, while you're uh, while you're going on, um, wow, I'm su- surprised and yet enjoyed that you picked that. Um, I do love that they uh, set this movie apart because of that. I love the idea of saving the. Is it called the scrawl? I I call it the crawl. Crawl the crawl. Um, I love the idea of saving the crawl for the Star Wars films. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, a nice way to kind of keep those special and make these special. Uh, yeah, the Michael Giacchino score is really good. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Uh, and yeah, it's just a nice start to the movie. Agreed. All right. I think I'm going to sneeze. Also, but- um, I believe the first Star Wars film not scored by John Williams. It must be. Yeah. Well, it has to be. Yeah, because at this point, uh, Force Awakens had come out, but it was scored by John Williams. I think Rise of Skywalker, one of them wasn't. Was The Last Jedi not scored by John Williams? Mm, that I don't know. I think one of the sequels was not scored by him, and I want to say it was The Last Jedi. And then I think he came back for Rise of Skywalker, if memory serves. Which is unfortunate, because, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that film a little bit later. And we uh, talked about it previously. Okay. Well, usually go chronologically, so I'm going to stick with it. So if you have one before the one I'm about to say, um, please chime in. So sure. I have them all the way at Jeddah already when Chirrut saves them from the Stormtroopers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's uh, my first scene. I have I have Jin's family being broken up. Let's do that first. Mostly then. because uh, we get Mads Mikkelsen, who yep. I already talked about, being awesome being himself yep. and then we also get uh, just a little character actor that i've, I've really grown to like ben actually Mendelsohn? ben Mendelssohn is fucking unreal he's fucking great he's great in this movie too hit hit like we're gonna this is gonna be a common theme with the minor characters in this film but all these minor characters are super interesting and, and a ton of fun and with the limited screen time that they have they really have arguably as much intrigue as Jin. um Ben Mendelsohn has this great line delivery when he's talking to Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen says that his wife had passed. He says this as a lie to protect her, um, but she comes sprinting towards them to save the day uh, a little bit later. And Ben Mendelsohn's dry delivery of, oh, here she is, back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Really funny. Really, really funny. Uh, Ben Mendelsohn is somebody that uh, we also saw in... uh, Captain Marvel, I think he was the uh, one of the primary villains in in that movie, right? Or no, sir, he wasn't a are villain. We, are we, well, spoiler, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a villain. I honestly, I, I, I don't even think that's a spoiler because I genuinely can't remember. But let's just say he's in Captain Marvel, and I remember uh, really liking his character in that movie. I don't know. He's becoming one of these guys who every time he rears his head in something that we're watching, uh, I get really excited because I know that I'm just gonna have some some solid character acting work coming my way. Isn't He's in um, that movie you like, uh, The Place Beyond the Pines. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he absolutely is. Yeah. Not one of his finer performances, but no. There's a really. Sorry, this is a tangent about The Place Beyond the Pines. A couple of Ben Mendelsohn's scenes with uh, Ryan Gosling. Do you remember? It just looks like their makeup is just super heavy. Do you yeah. remember that? 
I just always found that really funny about that movie. I love the first two thirds of that movie. Um, but the Ben Mendelsohn scenes, for some reason, he's just like in really heavy makeup and he looks like a fucking clown. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's also got a really small role, but a really great performance in a movie with fucking Brad Pitt and Ray Liotta and James Gandolfini. And... Are you going to get it by the time I look it up? No, I'm not. Definitely not. It's uh, about some gangsters, and I'm almost positive I own it. Do you have a year or a rough year? Uh, nope, sure don't. No, okay. It's all good. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get this, actually. That's okay. I'm looking on his filmography, and there's... It's not the easiest. No? All right. Yeah, oh. okay. Let's see all... And it is not Mississippi. Killing them softly. Two years. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Two films. Oh yeah, he was in The Dark Knight Rises too. I forgot about that as well. Oh yeah, I forgot. He's the banker dude that Bane is. Uh, yeah. Is all over the old one. Of, I know we don't love The Dark Knight Rises necessarily. It's one of Nolan's weakest films. West does. But the moment where Bane just puts his open palm, like palm up, on Ben Mendelsohn's shoulder is a great fucking moment very intimidating yeah uh okay yeah uh so the introduction to um uh uh, galen urso great Mm -hmm. mads mickelson electric on screen our introduction to ben mendelson uh director krennic uh great the introduction to those black stormtroopers black guards i don't know what they were they were cool they look fucking awesome um as always whenever we're Watching a movie to review it and to critique it, you kind of start you, you pick away at things. I <laughs> I love that he la- I'm, I'm he lands his cruiser really far away, so they can have the great shot of them walking across that black sand, mm-hmm. and you can see their one footprint. So they had to re-rake it at the end of each take, <laughs> and then the great shot of them walking through the field makes no sense for them to fly and part they have a flying machine yeah to just fly. fly closer yeah fly closer but i saw that i was like i'm like why are they landing there because like, it then, looks really cool and then you see the next shot you're like that's why and then you see this shit and that's why yeah i agree minor minor things that you just when you start to watch a lot of movies you're like that doesn't make any yeah. sense but and again, these, are, these are the sort of things that you let pass when a film is really good otherwise yeah because and when you don't like a film maybe you nitpick it a little bit more the two shots were beautiful i was like works for me yeah <laughs> works for me well that's exactly it's a means to an end like i can totally give a pass to the slight logical failing let's say um because it feels like a a choice it feels like okay we're gonna sacrifice logic a little bit here but look at this cool fucking shot we're gonna get in the name of it i'm fine with that i'm totally fine with that uh okay do you have anything prior to them getting to jetta nope all right so Jin and cassian are in jetta They've they've witnessed a rebellion attack on stormtroopers, and in an attempt to save Jin's life, Cassian had to shoot one of the rebels, which is noticed by another rebel, who I don't know that character's name, but he looks fucking cool. Mm-hmm. They are sur- they are surrounded. They are kind of captured, captured in quotes by the stormtroopers when Shirit played by Donnie Yen, comes out. And <laughs> in a almost illogical scene, 
but reinforces the entire belief that stormtroopers are the most worthless <laughs> infantry in the in all of moviedom mm-hmm. in all and i'll be honest i was surprised that they actually got some of the rebels in their shots they did but a couple of red shirts <laughs> he they are they are wearing that armor it is some it is supposed to be some type of body armor and he takes them out with a stick yeah has it ever stopped anything nope it can't stop blasters and it can't stop a stick can't stop ewoks can't stop Ewoks. Can't stop uh, a guy with a bow staff, yeah. uh, which I which I love. I don't care. Like, I'm. Th- we know with enough force, even somebody wearing a helmet can be knocked unconscious. Pardon, see pardon the pun. With enough force. Oh, funny. <laughs> Didn't even think of that. But like, we see football players get knocked unconscious all the totally. time. They're wearing helmets, right? Mm-hmm. So, granted, if this man is as strong and as skilled as he is, it's definitely possible. But. While it doesn't make any logical sense, don't give a fuck. It's fucking cool as shit. It's really this cool. this blind man who is Force-sensitive, he does not control the Force, but he's Force-sensitive because he is a protector of the wills, kicks all their asses. Easily one of the coolest things about this movie. Yes. Like, hands down, one of the coolest things. Yes. I, at this point in the film, my first watch, I was definitely intrigued, but not quite brought on board yet. This this character introduction made me think this was going to be a lot of fun. Um, I will say the battle leading up to this character introduction doesn't feel like it has a lot of stakes with it. The battle is a little bit forgettable because our our characters just kind of find themselves in it. They they really have no stakes. It's difficult to know the alignments of other people. And again, when our main character has no real agency, them entering into a battle where they have no uh, no, they have no dog in the fight. It's just kind of a scene with explosions. Yeah. So honestly, this moment from Donnie Yen saving them saves the scene as far as I'm concerned. Um, I will also add, I read that uh, Donnie Yen, uh, it was his idea to have the character be blind, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. And yeah. uh, I don't know if we have Baze quite yet. He's Well, he we've, all, we've already met him because mm-hmm. there has been a scene prior to this where Jin and Shirt are talking yeah. and we see Baze in the background and then it's at the end of this fight that Baze reveals that he is carrying a Gatling phaser gun yeah just some monstrous weapon for some reason that requires a backpack which is really funny that his brother just uses a staff just like a little a little weapon and he has this fucking bazooka on his arm it's it's pretty funny yeah. but yeah I like, we're getting these fun little character introductions. Sure. Totally on board with this part of the movie. Even though the battle is a little boring in and of itself, the characters. Totally here for the characters. We also do get the introduction to his mantra. Yeah. Uh, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Yeah. Which plays up huge later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what do you have next? Um, let me see where we go. I have. Do, do, I, want, do we want to stay chronological, or do we just want to trade I, forces? Honestly, I the, like the next one I have. I know I said I didn't have any between those two scenes. I wanted to talk about the Borgullet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. I know it's. I'm picking some weird scenes. You really like, are, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't understand this point of the this this scene. Like, I'm not necessarily bringing this up as one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, I just don't understand the existence of the Borgullet. There's a lot of fat that can be trimmed in this movie. I think. 
And I'm just going to go right out and say this. This whole Forrest Whitaker scene is just not really there. I think Forrest Whitaker is one of the weakest performances in the movie. I like him as an actor. This whole thing he's doing, this voice that he's putting on, this act that he's putting on, it's just a little, it's a little much for this movie as far as I'm concerned. I don't really love the character of, um, hold on, don't tell me, Sagara, Sagarera. I'm not really invested in this character either. Okay. that's a that's a personal opinion. I don't really have any reasons for that other than I think that the the performance is just a little wacky and a little silly okay. and not he's not quite in the same film as the other characters. All right. That's just that's just an opinion. Um this Borgullet scene where we're wiping uh the pilot's mind. No. Nope. Wi- oh, not wiping it. Sorry, we're um we are risking him losing his mind to make to see if he's telling the truth. To see if he's telling the truth. I don't get why this is here because it has no lasting consequences. Sure yes, doesn't. we we get him for a scene, losing his mind a little bit. But by the time we're back of we're back in uh, any plot line of circumstance or any plot line of uh, substance is the word that I'm looking for. By the time we're back in any plot line of substance, he already has his mind back. So the movie is the same whether we get this Borgullet interrogation or not. Um, I don't know. It just felt like they had this idea. It felt like they had this idea, like, hey, what if we had this creature who, like, fucks with your mind in order to interrogate you, in order to get information out of you? And they just, like, kind of ran with it. They didn't really know what to do with it. So this has always kind of bothered me, too. In the movie, even after we get all these really cool character introductions, it really, to me, feels like it grinds to a halt at, at this point in the movie. Okay. I I don't... I, I was going to kind of push back on it, but I don't really feel like it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You may even still disagree, but... I not worth the effort. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> fully disagree. I slightly disagree, but not enough to care. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Not enough to waste time talking about it. Because <laughs> then I'm like, I'm like, why am I def- like? I'm gonna be one of those Star Wars fans that can actually the boar gullet is really important. Because- yeah. Th- that's that's literally what I felt like as I was about to say. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't think that. I like, I agree with you. That could easily be trimmed, and it wouldn't affect the movie. Yep. So yeah, Blah. I'm not I'm not doing it. My next scene is actually right after it. Okay. It's actually uh, Galen's message to Jin, or the message he sent out that Jin got to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn about the Death Star, that it is being built. We learn that Galen is the one who put the weakness in the Death Star, trying to rationalize the plot hole uh, that people had from Episode Four, and it's here that Felicity Jones is good her reaction to watching the message is legitimately great yes correct it is honestly the only great moment she has not because she is a bad actress because her character they could give two shits about yeah they do not give her anything to do but she takes the one moment she's given she does have another moment later on i don't know if either one of us is going to talk about i'm not going to talk about it she does have a moment later on again with her father um, that could have been something, but it wasn't. Um, but this, she is really good in this scene. And as much as I want to cut this out and not be one of the scenes I talk about, considering it's our main character's best moment in the movie. Yeah, it's worth bringing up. I had to leave it in. Yep, I agree. All right. I, I've got nothing really further to add. You're, you're right. This is one of the few moments where you really feel... Uh, where I really feel connected to Jin as a character. And yeah, I've got nothing really more to add than that. Okay. What do you have next? Uh, the next one I have 
is uh, Churit walking to the Master Switch. That's my next one. Okay, yeah. Um, again, we get that mantra coming back that I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me, I'm one with the Force, the Force yep. is with me. Um, this ending uh, ending situation on... What's the name of this planet that they're on again? Uh, Scarif. I'm so bad with the planet names on, on Star Wars and with the character names. <laughs> Bear with me. We're on, uh, we're on Scarif, and we need to walk towards this Master Switch. One of the things that Rogue One doesn't concern itself with which feels like an intentional choice might work for you it might not they don't really concern themselves with why you're doing a thing too much they there might be a a brief one-line explanation of here's why a character is about to do a thing and if you if you caught it great oh if you missed it whatever we're just gonna go do the thing and you can be along for the ride i've seen this movie three or four times i really can't remember what the master switch is supposed to do in this scene but it doesn't matter it's just a goal for our characters to get to let's just send them there what's the master switch for manny fuck i don't remember yeah exactly right that's what i'm saying (laughs) i'm sure if i thought hard it's something to do with the comms like they need to turn on the comms tower or something like that i thought that was was the switch that bodhi went for that's what i'm saying Like you can't tell me if you're listening and you can tell me, awesome. You, I would I would love to hear from but you. But I remember it being important. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nothing is important in this movie, and I'm not saying that. That's not one of the things I have a problem with. The uh... film just does not concern itself. It's a conscious choice. Does not concern itself with explaining things to the audience. It's like here's where we're going. This is our task. Don't worry about why. But there's going to be a lot of lasers and a lot of explosions on the way there. And if it works for you, awesome. For me, I can take it or leave it. But, um, you know, it does kind of come at the expense of character, but we get some stuff blowing up. So it kind of feels like an even trade at the end. Anyway, all of that to say, it does take away a little bit from the sacrifice. What feels like our coolest character walking out into the battlefield blind. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. It feels like this should be a big emotional moment. I don't feel sadness during it which I really should feel. I don't feel the weight of it. It's a great scene. It's still one of the better scenes in the movie, but it doesn't hit me hard. And I think it's because we don't spend a lot of the time on the why. Again, I think that's a conscious decision to not spend time on the why so that we can keep the pacing up and we can keep the energy up and we can keep the action up. And that's fine. But I think this scene is just one casualty of that decision, if that makes any sort of sense. So that's that. I have Trit walking to uh walking to the master switch whatever the fuck that's for as one of my scenes okay um i love this scene um i am saddened that um you didn't find this touching i will admit the first time i watched this movie in theaters i cried did you i did all subsequent viewing since no um i love it i think it was because uh when i watched it i i was kind of when I'm in the movie, I, I am more invested in a movie. Uh, a movie has to be, well, let's just say it. A movie has to be legitimately good to affect me emotionally when I'm reviewing it because I've detached a little bit because I'm taking notes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So legitimate masterpieces will always get me. Movies on the fringe, you might get a little, a little lump in the throat. This didn't get me at all this time. But... I also think I wasn't fully invested in the movie. Um, that being said, I still really like the scene. Obviously, it's one of the ones I chose to talk about. Uh, I love that Baze takes over for his brother's belief yes. afterwards. 
Um, that's really touching. It's really sweet. I think it's a really great character moment that you're right in a different type of movie um, could have been deeply affecting uh, in this. Like I said, the first time I watch it, I definitely cried. Not like a bunch of tears, but there was definitely some moisture. A in single the manly tear? No, probably one or two, three, probably. Not not like <gasps> I wasn't wrecked, but I, I was definitely moved by it the first time I watched it. And that's fair. Everything since. Nope. Um, but it is one. Uh, it is one of the scenes that I thoroughly enjoy. What you got next? Uh, well, that was that was my pick. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, so same pick as mine. So mm. I'm gonna go. Mine is the Death Star arrives. Hmm. So, uh, I love that. <laughs> I shouldn't say love. Uh, how cold it is that they target their own base. Yeah. Right. And that's uh, that's Tarkin that makes that decision. Yeah. Tarkin makes the fucking ice cold decision. Yeah, we're gonna destroy our own base. And the worst part about it, like, we, as a rational human being, I'm going like, Jesus Christ! I'm like, you are about to obliterate, presumably hundreds, if not thousands, of your own troops. But when you look at the big picture, that makes tactical sense especially if they believe they can prevent the plans from coming out. Yeah. They don't wind up doing that as we know, because we've seen the initial star Wars movies. Yep. And we've seen the end of this movie now. Um, but if you believe you can preserve the integrity of your battle station, wipe all memory of its weaknesses from the earth, uh, or from the planet, I guess <laughs> from memory, um, it makes perfect sense. A couple thousand people in the grand scheme of ruling the entire fucking galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's easy calculus. Um Jin and Andor have uh they're leaving the base. Uh they've they've already kind of defeated Krennic at this point. Yeah, yeah, they've already kind of defeated Krennic. Um Krennic sees the Death Star, so he knows what's coming. Killed by his own creation. It's so good. Big big Frankenstein moment. I love this entire sequence is really well realized. Uh, the gravity of it, the bittersweetness of it, Mendelssohn seeing it in the sky. Oh, man, it's all good. The music swells. Great score by Gene Kino in this whole moment. Um, the Rebellion gets to witness a small example of the power of this Death Star, all the Rebellion in, up in uh, in the sky. Jin and Andor on the beach, I love that they just embrace. They don't kiss or anything like that. They're, yeah. I've always really liked that too. I really did. I really did expect them to kiss the first time I watched it, and I'm happy that they didn't. It's not yep. that kind of movie, and they never had that kind of romantic energy. Nope. Um, they, they're both scared and they embrace, but they're also proud that they did this thing. We get the completion for all the shit that we've laid on Jin. You know, it is the completion of her character arc. She's gone from a criminal, just going from crime to crime to somebody who's fighting for something or somebody who believes in something and somebody who gives her life for something yep and that's a it's a big character moment and we get this this heartwarming embrace and a beautiful like the the horrible but beautiful sky lighting up yeah it's all it's all good it's all gravy it was here the first time i watched it when i was watching them uh about to be incinerated by the explosion that i was just like I can't fucking believe they killed everybody in this movie. Yeah. I was so happy. I was like, <laughs> I know what you mean, but, yeah. what, but what a sentence that is. It is. It is. It's, it's dark as fuck, but like, I'm like, they actually did sacrifice for the rebellion. There is. And what I loved not thinking that far ahead. I'm like, there will not be sequels 
you cannot continue these characters. And then Andor comes out. And then Andor, <laughs> and then Andor comes out, and I was like, fuck this. And I watched it, I was like, fuck more, please. Yeah. Um, absolutely breathtaking ending to this movie. And then there's even more of a breathtaking ending to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I love this in the theater. I still enjoy it every time I see it. I think it's a really great way to end to end the end the story yeah. of this movie. So like, I know that we're not done talking about the film yet, mm-hmm. but this is basically the end. Basically the end, especially for our main characters. I just want to point out that like we talked about a lot of good moments right at the beginning. Talked about one good moment and about to be another good moment at the end. Um, like the movie starts really strong and finishes really strong. The middle is just kind of just kind of blah for me. Like mm-hmm. Not not a lot of interesting stuff going on in the middle. And that's one of my theories as to why this film is very popular. Popular people remember sitting down in the theater and being excited right out of the gate. They might have you know maybe their attention waned in a little bit in the middle a little bit. Maybe it didn't. But then the end you get a super strong finish. And people are like, oh, that's a great. That's one of the best Star Wars movies ever. And then, you know, there's all that stuff in the middle that you had to sit through that's now forgotten. Yes. Yeah. So that's, which, that's my theory. Which, anyway. again, you and I didn't discuss any of the middle of the movie. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't feel there's much I need to discuss. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what you talked about. Like, yeah. you talked at the beginning. Yeah. I didn't pick any of the beginning. I have one, I don't know, mi- not even middle of the movie, like close to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we jump right to the end. Mm-hmm. We didn't discuss we did not discuss uh, the assassination attempt on Galen. We didn't talk much about the adventures of Jeddah. Oh, go ahead. I did. I did skip over one thing, just in the name of flow of the episode, a little bit. Um, I know there's still one more scene we're going to talk about, and people probably know what it is. Um, but I did also just briefly want to touch on the introduction of Cassian Andor. Sure. Um, Really cool character introduction. Loved it. Um, Star Wars, even if you're a fan, I think you can admit, and I'm not talking to you, you know, I'm talking to you, the listener. Even if you're a fan, you can probably admit one of the biggest problems of the Star Wars franchise is its black and white morality. Mm. It really doesn't have a lot of area for gray. You're either on the light side of the force or the dark side of the force. There's not a lot of room for morally gray characters, which I find very interesting and are usually some of the most interesting characters in movies. Han Solo is a morally gray character. Was. Was. <laughs> and he was one of the most interesting characters in the entire series. So this introduction of Cassian Andor, I think, has a lot of promise. Uh, him kind of sacrificing somebody who gave him information in order to make an escape. Um, but also being a part of the rebellion, the side that we're told to cheer for. Um, a definite potential for a morally gray character. And I, I, I was, loved it. I was, the introduction is fucking awesome. And it's in the beginning of this movie where we're just jumping around from planet to planet like every four minutes. It's super cool, super fast-paced. And then I just don't feel the movie delivers on the promise of that character at all. I just don't feel that we we revisit that character in meaningful ways uh, through the middle of the film. Um, he does kind of have a big character moment where he decides not to assassinate uh, Jin's dad, um, which is which is a good moment. But, you know, again, it's a two-hour and 18-minute movie. I feel like there's just a lot of stuff uh, and we don't fully get the the promise of that character in this movie again i'm i'm haven't seen andor and i'm considering this film as a standalone as you should i'm sure that in andor we see the full scope of uh of this man and i'm sure that it's awesome um but i'm not taking that into account here um so that was the one thing i wanted to touch on before we get to the other thing we're about to touch on sure although we should have touched on this when we get to performance review yeah probably whatever (laughs) hey i didn't say i didn't say diego luna once (laughs) it's fair yeah 
All right. Are we going to end with the obvious one? Okay, it's so fucking cool, though. It's really cool. I know I kind of brushed it off earlier and, like, yeah, it's only 30 seconds. It's, like, one of the best scenes in a Star Wars Star Wars movie. The Darth Vader in the hallway is directed like a horror movie. He chokes people. He's throwing people around. He's deflecting lasers, pulling guns. We see Fuck. all of his powers showcased. It's so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. The more I think about it, when like we should have maybe had like a, a standalone episode to do all the ranking of the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Like best moments, worst moments, score, whatever. Yeah. We can still go back and do that if well, we want. Well, yeah, we can't. We can't. <laughs> like if we do solo, we could make that officially. We could do a solo episode and then the week after we could do a, a complete wrap up of the Star Wars. Let me sit on that. Hmm. Anyways. Continue with your assessment of the does, The only assessment that I have is that it's fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. Okay, so this is all prior to any of the TV series that were on Disney+. Plus. So the great thing about this is this 30-second scene finally shows us what a badass that Darth Vader really is that we heard about that is talked about that people play up to like in all of the original trilogy everyone plays that Darth Vader is the biggest baddest motherfucker in the galaxy and we don't ever doubt it not once in those movies are like is he really that fucking a badass mm -hmm. it's the voice it's the it's the great physical work by David Prowse that nobody talks about mm -hmm. his presence and all that Obviously, the voice work from James Earl Jones. Everything they do to make Darth Vader seem like the ultimate badass is true, but we never see it. And this is the part that we finally get to see why he's that motherfucker. And it's worth the wait. This is unbelievably good. So incredibly entertaining. Like, at times, horrific. The reactions from the rebels in the scene who know that death is staring them in the face. They know that... This is the Reaper who has come to get them. And they're turning around. The door's jammed. They're pound, They're begging to get out of that room. The reactions sell it. The lighting sells it. The illumination of him in the in the light from the lightsaber is fucking dark and scary. Yeah. I, I have goosebumps talking about this. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> and then we get to see my princess at the end. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people. I'm going to sneeze again. I've heard a lot of people shit on the look of her and of Tarkin. On this watch, I'll briefly touch on Tarkin here, even though he has nothing. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm going to briefly touch on Tarkin here. Um, I don't remember it being that bad when I saw it in the theater. And on this watch, it's like it is obvious it's not a real person, but I didn't find it distracting. A lot no. of people have a lot of problems with that. And even a lot of people have really shit on Leia. And I was like, or Leia, sorry. I was like, I don't see it. I'm like, I thought she looked just fine. She's what, on screen for three seconds, tops. Yeah. It's literally just a turnaround so you can totally see the face and then we're done. I'm like, I thought it looked fine. So if anybody The technology else also has gotten so much better than that, even in the last seven years. Like deep fake technology. The word deep fake was not in the lexicon when this film came out. Well, that's only seven years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so we've really moved forward a lot in technology. So I can buy that people are bothered by this. Of the list of things that bothers me about this movie, this is like fucking 15th down the list. This is, this is nothing. 
Like, um, I agree. I saw Tarkin and I was like, oh, okay. I forgot CGI Tarkin. I had a moment where I was like, oh, okay, I remember that's a thing. And then the rest of the time, it's just, it's just a character. It's just fine. Favorite scene? Dude. When he lights up that lightsaber, <laughs> come on, tell me that doesn't like send chills up your spine when he gets lit up by his own lightsaber. It's beautiful. The I'm... whole scene is shot just so beautifully. Okay, <laughs> I, that is also my scene. Yeah, I don't get chills from it anymore. Oh, dude, it it fucking juiced me up. I'm fucking ecstatic <laughs> that Star Wars can still have that effect for you. Yeah. It does not for me. That's how much my love for this <laughs> franchise has been tanked because of everything. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention to uh, the beach, uh, the two of them embracing on the that beach. That was my number Really two. powerful moment. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, performance review. We basically have already done Diego Luna. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll yeah. touch. I'll touch on this. I have seen Andor. It does. I went in knowing full well I cannot let the series taint or enhance my opinion on Diego Luna's performance, and it didn't. He is really. He's really fun and really interesting. Fun's a light word because he only has a couple kind of like fun moments. He, I love, he does basically stay in that moral gray. Uh, the Andor series is his origin story. It tells how he becomes a part of the Rebel Alliance. Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I'm I like, I, I want to rewatch it, but I have stuff on my plate that I need to get done. Um, so Diego Luna, uh, is who we'll start with because we pretty much did everything with him. So I just wanted to start with him and get him completely out of the way. Yeah. I think it's a really great performance. Uh, I think he's a really great character and I'm sad that he died. Yeah. <laughs> because I definitely would. I def If they made more movies of him being morally gray, fucking sign me up. And that's why the series is so good. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to check out Andor. I think um, how many seasons of the Mandalorian are there now? There's three. Yeah, I've watched two of those. Did not watch uh, season three. Did not watch Book of Boba Fett. Did not watch Andor. Um, are those the only Star Wars shows? Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch Obi-Wan either. Neither did I. Yeah. I don't really care to. And I grew up with the prequels. That's saying something. Yep. Yeah. I have no desire to watch it. Yeah. But when Andor season two comes out, because there's only going to be two seasons. <laughs> man. If I'm going to watch any of the Star Wars TV shows, it's going to be Andor. I would... I liked Mandalorian season two. I haven't really felt compelled to go back to it. Neither have I. I've not felt compelled to watch season three. Mm -hmm. I haven't. And I love Pedro Pascal. And I've heard that uh, Book of Boba Fett sucks. It does. Mm, that's unfortunate. I didn't finish it. That's how bad it was. Yeesh. I stopped. I'm like, nope. That's unfortunate. Can't do it. And you know me. I'm a completionist. Yes, I do. And I will not go back and complete it. Wow. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Who do you want next? Um, I only touched on him. Uh, you know, I've kind of touched on everyone here. Let's go Alan Tudyk. Uh, love this man. Uh, I was first introduced to Alan Tudyk at a very young age as Steve the Pirate. Yar, scurvy in uh, the movie Dodgeball, a true underdog story. And ever since then, I've just had a soft spot for him as well. There's a lot of great, uh, a lot of great actors in this movie who maybe don't get, um, you know, A-list recognition. But just absolutely solid supporting cast, highlighted in my opinion by Alan Tudyk as K2SO. Funniest droid we've gotten. Um, I would definitely watch a K2SO origin story of like Hell him yeah. being like reprogrammed from an Imperial droid. Uh, very funny. Most of the best lines in the movie come from K2SO. So definite uh, wanted to shout out Alan Tudyk in a great voice performance. Okay, my introduction to Alan Tudyk was uh, in the year 2001 in a movie that we reviewed 
with Abby a Knight's Tale. Yes. <laughs> also a great role. And that was my introduction to him. I, I was like, okay, this guy's pretty awesome. And then a few years later, he did some more voice work. I don't know if it was motion capture or not, but he did the voice of Sonny in iRobot. The robot in iRobot. I watched that a lot as a kid. It was on TV a lot. I remember liking it. Uh, same here. But I could never put Watt and Sonny as the same person. No. I'm like, I don't get it. And then, <laughs> two or is it the same year? Where am I? Yeah, same year. He's Steve the Pirate. I'm like, that's not the same fucking person. Yeah, he's a it, chameleon. It's, it's great. Not. <laughs> uh, and then it just keeps going from there as um, he's... What's the next? Well, he he's in Knocked Up. He play he has he's one of the executives. He's the one that tells uh, Catherine Heigl to tighten. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. Not lose weight, just tighten. Yeah. Um, and then, other than that, mostly, um, mostly voice work is what I know him for. Looking over, um, like he did King Candy and Rick It Ralph. Mm. Like he just does these really fucking great voices, and oh, I'm a f- oh, uh, forty two. Oh we yeah, say that? Oh. yeah, completely different role than the rest of those. Yes, it's as far away from K two S O as you can get. Yeah. Um. So he's an actor that I've really started to enjoy, and uh, I love K T S O, K two S O, in this movie. Excellent comedic timing um just an absolute blast uh alan tudyk is an actor that i always enjoy hearing and seeing yeah i'm i'm looking at his filmography right now i didn't realize just how many uh voice roles he takes yeah uh, he's a very accomplished voice actor yes. honestly um so so good on him i guess i should say i called this a voice role it's not credited as a voice role because he was actually in motion capture as yeah. well so yeah. I, I should point that out that's fine um but yeah, definitely, definitely an Alan Tudyk fan, and couldn't couldn't leave this without uh, acknowledging him. I'll go to uh, Ben Mendelsohn next. Mm-hmm. Really great villain turn, just a perfect like evil executive. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he's happy to bark orders, and doesn't really want to do anything himself. Not the uh, laziness. He's just that he's got that upper class feeling about him i am in charge but he's not at the top and that's why he's having that power struggle with uh with tarkin yeah he does he fancies himself top dog a little bit and he loves the power he loves being able to wield it over people and he's a smug little prick especially when he talks to mads mickelson in the beginning of the movie yes he's a smug prick and he plays that really well but you're right the second he talks to tarkin he just his inferiority comes out he's just very clearly not head honcho yeah he's just not the guy uh i just love him as a villain i think he did a really great job uh it's not i wouldn't say any of these no i wouldn't say none of these performances are award worthy but they're all none of them are bad like there's no bad performances here you didn't like forrest whitaker i didn't have a problem with it Mm -hmm. um but other than that yeah ben mendelson uh is my pick uh, as a as someone that, or not my not my pick of a yeah 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 someone I, want I know to talk what you're about. saying okay uh, well I just name dropped him so let's go to Mads let's All go right. to Mads Mikkelsen uh, small role in the movie uh, um very dry very dry performance not a lot of big emotional moments he does have a great death scene his death scene is fucking great yep. from him emotional to watch um 
Felicity Jones. Eh, okay. <laughs> do, do yeah, why couldn't work? you switch? Yeah. <laughs> the reactions you're giving to his hologram, why didn't you... Hologram. Why didn't you give it to his hologram, why didn't you give it to the real person? Yeah. And then that scene, I probably would... I pop- I probably would have cried. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so he has that great death scene. But other than that, it's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of, I don't have a lot of time, but here's what's happening in the plot, especially in that hologram scene. Mm-hmm. Just very good at delivering a lot of expositional dialogue and uh, very good at uh, conveying emotion and being, I mean, he's a scientist. He's a dry scientist, apparently based off of, based loosely off of uh, Oppenheimer mm-hmm. um, as somebody who creates a weapon of mass destruction and feels immense guilt over it. Um so yeah, I think he's doing great work. Got nothing really further to say than that, other than then he's just doing what's asked of him, and then has a fucking awesome death scene. All right, uh, I only have one left, and it's not who you're thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when we did, I think it was possibly Return of the Jedi, or was it when we finished the original trilogy? We were listing our favorite characters, and I listed somebody that dropped your jaw. <laughs> so the person I want to talk yep. about is Paul Casey, who played Admiral Radis. Yeah, I fucking love the Calamaris. I don't know what it is. I cannot fucking explain it. But what I do love about the people that are playing the Calamaris is they really know how to convey leadership and tactics. Mm-hmm. I loved him flying around his little fucking hover chair or his fucking chair that... I don't know what the fuck it's attached to, but it's fucking going all over the place. I love that when he's talking to somebody on the planet, he actually looks down through the glass. I don't know why he do that, but whatever. Mm. I loved everything about Admiral Radis. I fucking love the calamari. I give no excuses. And if you don't like him, I don't give a fuck because I love him. Is that actually the name of the race? I must have been surprised by that at least once before. Yeah, it's the calamari. The calamari, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these people don't speak to me the way they speak to you, but that's okay. I, I mean, I, I've always known, I mean, I've known since you've told me at least that Admiral Akbar is just one of your boys. Fuck, he's one of my boys. Which is so funny. <laughs> you listen to him like top three Star Wars characters or something. Something so. ludicrous. I was like... Han Solo, Darth Vader, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> he was in <laughs> the top be- five. He was in the top five. Which is beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I fucking I have, love. I have no notes. <laughs> love Akbar. I fucking love Akbar so much. Yeah, I don't have the same connection to this character, but you are right. They feel like very tactical beings. And while at first blush they may seem out of place in a battle like this, they're kind of a strange race. They're just they're master tacticians, and they. Uh, I like the way that the people performing them have uh, uh, very similar performances. They have a, a way of making them feel like a race of people, yeah. like making them feel like a united front sort of situation. So while I had no notes on that, I'm so happy that you brought that up because I think it's adorable, frankly, <laughs> that you have such a connection to these calamari people. I fucking love calamari. A, a race of people named after an appetizer. Yes. <laughs> You're up, sir. Uh, Donnie Yen. Okay. Donnie Yen. Uh just fantastic um again a small role part of it is the writing of the character parting of part of it is his decision to play the role blind um but a really interesting take on a monk who no longer has a home he's sort of a i don't know could you call him i was gonna call him a vagrant but it's not quite right he, he's just kind of a maybe a drifter or i don't, I don't know he's, he's something he's just Lost his purpose uh, ever since the mining of the kyber crystals. He's just lost his purpose. And the and destruction of the temple. Yes. And uh, he finds he finds a home in 
in in the rebellion and goes to fight with them. And his mantra, uh, I'm one with the force, the force is with me, I'm one with the force, the force is with me, uh, as he's walking out onto the battlefield is one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, most of his action scenes are in camera. The editing in this film is mostly in service of a fast-paced action. Mm-hmm. It's not really designed to have a lot of in-camera stuff. It's just trying to keep the pacing going, with the exception of Donnie Yen's action scenes. And uh, I uh, believe he's a well-known martial artist yes. in uh, in Hong Kong. Yep. Um, and he's considered to be like a massive Hong Kong star. I'm not familiar with him personally. I don't think I've seen much, if anything, of his. But let me yeah. just double check his filmography while you continue to heap praise yeah. on the man. But we, we say this time and time again, when you have somebody who's a trained martial artist or somebody who's a, a trained fighter or a gunman or whatever the craft is that they're doing, it gives the director a lot more freedom to put them in camera. To not, to, to not feel like they have to edit away and cut away from the action that's happening. And it just gives the scenes that they're in a lot more energy and a lot more play. Uh, so, yeah, the scenes that he's in um, from a fighting perspective are all some of the best action scenes in the film, um, as well as his character being one of the funniest. There's a moment where he gets a bag put over his head and he's just like, I'm blind, you idiots. <laughs> I've always found that line to be really Love funny. That. So, yeah, this is easily one of the best characters. Part of it is the writing of the character, which is really good. And part of it is the performance of the character. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Chirrut. Okay, so the only movies of his that I've seen, uh, I've only seen the first one, is a series of films uh, called Ip, Ip Man. Uh, Never heard he of plays that. the titular character. Uh, and he, while I've seen it, I don't remember it because I don't remember it being that good. Uh, he plays a character in a movie called Shanghai Nights with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. I think I have seen that. I think I was thinking about that film the other day. I was thinking of a moment from that and went, what movie is that from? And I think I incorrectly assumed it was Around the World in 80 Days. He also was in the live action, do you call it a remake? Is it a live action remake? Of? Mulan. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's a remake. I don't think it's a sequel. No, it's not a sequel. So it's a live action remake. It's a remake. It's a reimagining. It's a re-whatever. It's Either way. Reboot. I've erased that movie from my memory because it was so bad. I straight up forgot that movie existed. You know that I love the 98 version. Don't, don't do I it. I will not see the new one. I, I will not. I will when not. When I was watching it, I was I was just thinking, like, I hope Sam never does this to and himself. I never will. Good, good for you, Sam. <laughs> good for you. Uh, yeah, Donnie Yen, phenomenal. One of the best parts of the movie. Uh, really great character some uh, a couple funny moments like you said and just incredible action uh it makes me kind of want to look into his filmography a little bit more to see what he's fully capable of like go back about maybe like this is 2016 so maybe check something in the early 2000s when he's a little bit younger a little bit more spry yeah not that he's bad in here but like seeing him at the the height of his physical abilities would be very interesting yeah i wonder what the quint if there's any donnie yen fans out there tell us what the quintessential donnie yen film is and we'll go see it i definitely bet you it's ip Ip man ip man because i had had four films Mm. so it might be his big franchise yeah i think he's in uh i think i just saw that he's in john wick 4 as well Mm -hmm. which i think we've said on air before is getting great reviews and i haven't seen yeah ip man's got an 8.0 rating on imdb Hmm. so yeah and he's known for Ip Man, Ip Man 2, and Ip Man 4, and Rogue One. Those are his four films on IMDb. Yeah. Okay. I've got nothing else. Okay. I've got nobody else. All right. Who are you picking for your favorite performance? I, I ended strong. I'm going with Donnie Yen. 
Nice. Uh, I won't lie. I really want to give it to Admiral I know you Ab- did. I, don't, I want to give it to Admiral Raddus. Every, every inch of my being wants to give it to Admiral Raddus, but I'm going to give it to Alan Tudyk. Okay, cool. Yeah. Honestly, my second pick. Awesome. Uh, technical review. Um, I'll be honest, Sam. Um, I really only have two things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this movie to neither be technically brilliant or technically horrible. It's pretty well serviceable in most That's, categories. Thank you. That is the exact words I was going to use with the exception of two things. So I'll start with the one that I think is the best. It's no surprise. The special effects in this movie are fucking phenomenal. Of course they are. Absolutely incredible. K2SO looks fantastic. All the space battles look amazing. The explosion looks great. The Death Star looks great. A lot of people are going to shit on Tarkin and and, uh, and Leia. I don't. I think they look great, especially for something that's even seven years old. Um the practical makeup, the real, like, when you have all these alien creatures, but they're not done digitally, they're done with real makeup, as a lot of the Star Wars are doing. Fucking fantastic. It, it feels like most of the new, most of the post-prequel Star Wars films have been really conscious of doing practical effects, because that was one of the huge criticisms that was levied against the prequels, yes. is that the CG looks like garbage. Yeah, and it does. And when you can see a practical alien, it looks way better than a digital one. I remember there was a uh, that was a huge part of the marketing for The Force Awakens when nobody really knew what the plot was. You had J.J. Abrams sitting in front of a camera telling people about how great it's going to be, and you had all these practical effects creatures just kind of walking around him, mm-hmm. like just kind of around the camera to get people excited. Yeah. Um, so yeah, special effects is one of the top things for me. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that. One of the things I don't think you mentioned in that, uh, you may have, but um, the look of the planet on uh, when it gets blown up at the end. Scarif? When yeah, Scarif, when they're embracing on the beach. All the special effects in that scene obviously contribute to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, the list goes on and on and on and on. There's lots of examples we didn't touch on, but of course, it's a Star Wars film. They're not going to let it be released without having the special what effects be exceptional. effects to? Probably Civil War. Oh, no, Civil War didn't even get nominated. Oh, uh, Lost of the Jungle Book. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I I get it, but I also don't really get it, you know? Oh, man. Kubo and the Two Strings was nominated. That was a good movie. Yeah. You watched it? Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was a good movie. Um, easy one. Been touched on a bunch already, but Michael Giacchino's score. If it's not John Williams, it's pretty much the next best thing. Uh, if you know the name, you may know him from... Uh, He's mostly famous these days for scoring Pixar films. Uh, two of the best scores in the Pixar canon are two of his, uh, as far as I'm concerned, The Incredibles and Up, uh, that iconic Up score. The, the one that sounds like a little circus Look song. at your smile. I, love I know. It. I'm beaming. I, I love it when you nerd out over music. It makes me and so happy. I... Uh, I was in jazz band in high school, and my teacher or my uh, my band teacher brought us the score for uh, the Incredibles, and I played trumpet. And if you've listened to the Incredibles score in depth, there's these screaming high jazz trumpet notes that are being played. I think we rehearsed it once before. It was like, yeah, you guys aren't ready for that. <laughs> we scrapped it, and that's been my white whale ever since. <laughs> but uh, have you gone back? I haven't gone back. No, I don't really play trumpet anymore. I I quit in grade nine, and I've picked up a trumpet maybe twice since to play. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I, I love Michael Giacchino's uh, composing. I think he's a, one of the finest people working in Hollywood today, and mm-hmm. the score is no exception. Obviously, he has a lot of themes to work off of, but I like that he doesn't lean into the other themes too hard. It'd be really easy to just have every character moment be like, oh, let's put the Force theme in here, let's put Darth Vader's theme in here, and like really lean into it, but he doesn't draw attention to those, he just kind of references them. Like, when we get Darth Vader introduced, we get the Imperial March very low and very subdued instruments, and then we're into a new theme. Did you watch this movie subtitles? I did, actually. Do you see it says Darth Vader theme plays? <laughs> I did, yeah. It's the Imperial March. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I laughed yeah. so hard. Just like it's not the Harry Potter theme. It's Hedwig's theme. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd. Yeah, I know. Jordan likes that one. Yeah, Although I may have even gotten the name wrong. I think it's Hedwig's theme. I know it's Hedwig something. Pretty sure it's theme. I'll look it up. Anyway, um, not important. Score's great. Okay. You already touched on the other one I want to talk about. I'm good. Yeah, that's that's it for me. Okay. Uh, I guess I can briefly say uh, screenplay not as tidy as it need to be. I think that's maybe one of the weaker moment or one of the weaker aspects of the film. The characters are all really good, but the plot is a little bit aimless. Again, it's kind of just going places for a reason mm-hmm. and letting the action fly as it may. Style, it's definitely a stylistic choice. It at moments it can feel a little bit. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can you feel like it's lacking stakes a little bit? Okay. Um, my technical award goes to special effects. <sighs> yeah, mine does not. Mine goes to the score. Right. Uh, yeah. But those are the two best aspects of the movie, uh, and it is indeed called Hedwig's Theme, okay. just so we know. All right, favorite quotes. I'll start us off. Please. I'm going to go with uh, Shirit. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. Mm-hmm. Number two is for Darth Vader. He's, uh, he's uh, Force-choking Krennic. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. I will say, even though we love the Darth Vader hallway scene, that scene uh, feels like um, a fan service moment. And the choke is almost kind of pointless. Like, it's like we just wanted to get the moment of Darth Vader choking somebody, which yeah. I'm, I'm fine with. Okay, totally fine. cool. But yeah. That's My that. number three is from Jin Orso. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Mm-hmm. My number four is from K2SO. Uh, after he uh, grabs Jin for trying to escape. Congratulations! You are being rescued. Please do not resist. And my last um, my last quote is between K2SO and Cassian. Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you, referring to a blaster she had stolen? It's high. Let's get going. It's very high. <laughs> nice. Okay. I got my five lined up as well. Fire away. A lot of, lot of overlap. Here are my five K2SO quotes. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, my, my five Rogue One quotes. They're not all K2SO, actually. Yeah. I'm joking. Um, one of them they is c- him. They could be. Yeah, definitely could be. Um, congratulations. You're being rescued. Please do not resist. That's number one. Yep. Number two. Would you like to know the probability of her using, using it against you? It's high. Very high. Uh, number three. I try not to have dialogues in here, but this one is really good. Uh, so I had to include it. Where are you taking these prisoners? These are prisoners. <laughs> yes. Where are you taking them? I am taking them to imprison them. In prison. And he's taking us to... Quiet! And there's a fresh one for you if you mouth off again. <laughs> Very funny. Um, one of the... Uh, this is number four. Uh, I can't... Oh, fuck. I can't remember even in my head who it is that uh, that asked the question. I think it's... Uh, I think it's Saw Gerrera. Um, you can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. Yep. It's not a problem if you don't look up. Yep. 
uh, good line from Jin. And then uh, I'm one with the force. The force is with me is number five. Perfect. Uh, my winner for favorite quote is I'm one with the force and the force is with me. That is a really good one. I just found myself cheesing really hard when I was reading that conversation. So I'm going with that. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, what was the weak link of the film? Uh, I'm going to go with the screenplay. Okay. Uh, some well-written characters in there, so it's not all bad. Uh, but the plot is just a little bit aimless and a little... It doesn't really feel like there's many weighted emotional moments. Uh, it feels like we could maybe do from a couple of rewrites and definitely give Jin some more stuff. We definitely need Jin to be more of a compelling character. So I think that starts with the screenplay. So I'm going to go there. Okay. I'm going to go with Jin Urso mm -hmm. as my weak point. I think... Because the other parts of the script, I think, work so well, I can't, I can't say it's the weak point when there's only one weak point in the script itself. That's fine. And that's Jin Urso. And You're again, that is, I am complaining about the character of Jin Urso, not of Felicity Jones. Yeah. She was not given much to work with. She does the best she can. She has one incredible standout moment, but the rest of her time, her character is given next to nothing to do. I'm going to change my answer. You want to know the real weak point? Yes. It's the one in the middle of the Death Star. Holy fuck. All right. You're welcome. No. <laughs> All right. Trivia. Ready? Yep. All right. Gareth Edwards and his creative team discovered some old film canisters while rummaging around the Lucasfilm warehouses. When asked what they were, an employee said they were old Star Wars Episode Four New Hope footage. The discovery led to the inclusion of unused Episode Four material featuring Red Leader and Gold Leader in this movie. I, that is an interesting fact. I do like the phrasing of it as rummaging. I like to imagine just a warehouse full of boxes just strewn about and they yep. have to kind of make their way through uh anthony daniels who played c3po in all the films uh joking was jokingly disgruntled that alan tudyk was allowed to play k2so in relative comfort of a motion capture suit whereas daniels had to endure years of discomfort and injuries in the c3po costume daniels laughingly cursed at tudyk after rogue one's premiere tudyk later said that a Fuck you from Daniels is one of the highest compliments he'd ever received. Yeah, I would kill for one of those. Yeah. Uh, Jin's father, Galen, is modeled after Robert Ottenheyer, the father of the atomic bomb. Both men share the same guilt factor of becoming an agent of death for building a weapon of mass destruction. What are you seeing first, Oppenheimer or Barbie? Barbie. Nice. Gareth Edwards said that he came up with the planet named Scarif after ordering a coffee in a Starbucks shop, a chain that is known for writing down the names of their customers on the cups. The barista simply misspelled Gareth's name as Scareth. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Uh, casting what ifs. Uh, the studio only had two choices to play Charette. Donnie Yen and Jet Li. Yen was approached first because of his salary of $4 million against Li's $10 million. To gauge his interest and as a secondary plan, director Gareth Edwards also offered him the other role of Baze. Yen expressed interest in playing Shrip, but was hesitant in accepting it because it required him to be away in London for five months. However, it was his young son's love of the Star Wars films and comics that wore down his reluctance, and it was his idea to make his character blind. Yeah, those execs at Disney really living paycheck to paycheck, hey? Having, yeah. Having to settle for somebody for $4 million. Bunch of bastards. Um... Composer Alexander Desplat's original score was rejected because of the extensive reshoots to address the tone and story issues. This extended the post-production schedule for which he was unavailable due to his, his commitments to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Michael Giacchino, his replacement, had only one month to write his musical score. What a fucking badass. And these are the three people that auditioned for the role of Jin Orso. Tatiana Meslani. 
who you probably don't have any experience with. She played She-Hulk in the She-Hulk series in for Marvel. Okay. Uh, Rooney Mara mm-hmm. and Kate Mara. Mm-hmm. I would love Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara would be good. Yeah. I My only real... I know that I've seen Kate Mara in more than this, but I think House of Cards when I think Kate Mara. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Closing credits. Would you watch this movie again? Yes. I would. I would. Mm-hmm. I just... I... It's uh, it's not would you watch this movie again in the near future. It's just like, would you? Yeah. Yeah, I would watch this movie. In again. general? Yeah. Would you recommend this movie to friends? I've used this line before, but everybody I know who would like this movie has probably already seen it. Yeah. So maybe not. Yeah. If you're a Star Wars fan, you've already seen this. If you're not a Star Wars fan, I'm not going to recommend it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So like I said off the top, if you're not, if this wasn't a Star Wars story, it probably wouldn't have gotten the same press. MVP of the film. Oh, I don't have anything written down for this. Who is the MVP of the film? Let me think. Um, I don't want to say Michael Giacchino because he's not, <laughs> but he's definitely the person I liked the most. I don't know. Do you have a good answer for this? I do. MVP of the film for me is easily the person I remember the most. It's K2SO. Yeah, you know what? Like, even though uh, I didn't pick Alan Tudyk for the performance, I still like Donnie Yen's better. K2SO is one of the, the things that I enjoy most about the movie, and it's that it, it's the comedic uh the comedic elements that he brings to it 100 percent. the movie is definitely way too dry without him yep so yeah I, I like that pick a lot actually all right recommend a good double feature with this film so there's obviously a new hope like this film stops i you know the, all the trivia that i read it said days it stops days before um honestly it feels like it could be even right before like, yeah like hours before um, or minutes before. Um, so A New Hope is really the obvious answer. If you want to watch Ro- a Rogue One, or if you want to watch Rogue One and then A New Hope, that would be totally reasonable. Um, a try to go with non-obvious picks as well. So that'd be the obvious one. Um, I came up with a, another movie about a small group of unlikely allies on what seems to be a suicide mission. Um, as like my theme, keeping this double feature together, I went with Saving Private Ryan. That's what I went with. One of my picks was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fucking I awesome. I guess it's not uh, not totally unobvious. <laughs> uh, and the other one I have, again, for obvious, I didn't go with A New Hope. I went with the Andor series. Oh, good call, actually. Even though it's not done, I can tell you where they leave off. You see the connective tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I can't recommend it enough. And I'm hoping that people listening, if they realize I'm not a Star Wars fan, I have abandoned my Star I will. I've handed in my Star Wars fan club card i am done with star wars except for andor hmm. that series is unfucking believable but if another series comes out that's getting unreal reviews you're probably gonna check it out this is okay full disclosure one of my best friends his name is chad i've referenced him numerous times he is a massive star wars fan to give you an idea on how big of a star wars fan he is he's not an unapologetic he if it's not good he doesn't fucking like it like he fucking hates he hates the sequels hmm. hates them right i remember uh, we talked about having him on for last jedi right yes he was ready to rip it him and i have gotten to a heated discussion yeah which is awesome yeah one of the nicest people i know is a massive star wars fan to the point where we call him wookie that's his nickname nice um and he, he i've n- never heard him say a negative thing about anybody except for every human being who had to do with the last jedi <laughs> it's the same thing that's phenomenal <laughs> so chad has spent no exaggeration several 
$5,000 on two custom-made lightsabers. I think that's fucking cool, personally. It is fucking cool. And if I had the videos on me, like, handily, I would show you the videos he sent me. Nice. They are unbelievable. And he has them mounted on his wall. They are amazing. So, when he comes to me, he was the one that convinced me to watch Andor. And he would, t- each week, he would call me. He's like, dude, he's like, this week's episode was better than last. He just kept, and I'm finally, I was like, okay, I, I believe you. I Because be- he won't steer me wrong. He's like, he's like, don't watch Obi-Wan. Don't watch this. Don't watch that. But when he's bragging about Andor, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I was happy that he was right. So, Andor is 100% worth watching. Even if, I'll be honest, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, Andor is worth watching. Because you don't have to know about Star Wars. It's not about the Force. It's not about the fucking Skywalkers. It's just a show in space. It's a show in space about a guy who's searching for his meaning in life. Hmm. And the incredible journey he goes on. I feel like that title is ripe for parody if you throw a little slash between the and between or. the D and the D and the O and or. <clears throat> we talked about ranking our favorite Star Wars moments. Hmm. There is a monologue near the end of the Andor series that is so fucking good, it's chill inducing. Hmm. You're just like you're watching when you're watching and I won't, I'm not gonna reveal who says it. You're watching it and you're just like why can't they all be like this? Why can't they all be this good? You've shown us that you're capable of doing this. Of course, let's be honest. That show was created by and written by Tony Gilroy, the man who wrote and directed Michael Clayton. So he knows character. Yeah. Yeah. He also had a yeah he had a writing credit on this one as well. He came in and helped. He there's a lot of I didn't want to get into it, but. There's a lot of reshoots that happened that apparently Tony Gilroy did, not Gareth Edwards. Right. Okay. Uh, from rumors have it that Tony Gilroy came in and kind of saved the movie. Hmm. But I don't. I like Gareth Edwards as a as a director. So like him, I don't love him. Like I'm not rushing to see a Gareth Edwards film, but he's a a, a an entertaining filmmaker. So I you know, he's made four. Yeah, off the top of my head, yeah. Monsters, which I haven't seen. Good movie. Godzilla, twenty fourteen. Yep. Rogue One. Yep. And then uh, this year he wrote and directed one that's in post production called The Creator. Mm, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Starring John David Washington. Monsters is really great because it's an ultra low budget movie. Nice. Like from my understanding, I think he did all the CGI work on his computer. Yeah. Th- in the notes on Wikipedia, it says also director of photography, visual effects, and production designer. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a yeah. mon. So is it called Monsters? Monsters. Monsters. 100% worth checking out. Hmm. Especially like it's a it's highly entertaining and it's one of those movies you're like, "Wow, you did this all by yourself?" Well, apparently a, a there's a series coming out. On Monsters? Yeah. It's yeah. it's an idea that's ripe for a series. Hmm. 100%. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what will be this film's legacy? I wrote this I don't believe this, but it is the legacy that it has. Um, the best Star Wars film outside the original trilogy. That's the impression that I get oh. that this film has. Interesting. Okay. I don't believe that, but it's what the legacy is, okay. I think. I thought the legacy of this film was the Darth, is a Darth Vader scene. That's what I think. Also acceptable. Okay. Yeah. Did you learn anything from this movie? Hope is a crucial ingredient 
in all rebellions. Nice. Uh, mine is Darth Vader truly was a badass. Oh, dude. Yeah. The fucking light. Like, the shot where he gets illuminated. I can't emphasize that enough. Is so cool. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't pick cinematography. I know. Yeah. Okay. Also, that scene with Ben Mendelsohn and uh, Mads Mikkelsen walking towards. Yeah. yeah. Good cinematography. There film. is. Yeah. Sam, your final thoughts on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It's a pretty good movie with a bunch of solid minor characters, one boring main character, and one epic 30-second sequence at the end, in case you didn't get that, get that impression. Uh, the middle of it is fine. I, I don't know. I can barely remember anything that happens in the film, and I watched it yesterday. Starts really strong, ends really strong, way overbloated, way underwritten. That's the best I can give you. It's a solid film that I will re I will revisit eventually, but not as good as I think people think it is. I differ a little bit from my colleague. Uh, I think it is a thoroughly enjoyable movie that has a very boring main character, but an incredible supporting cast that lifts it enough for me to find this movie um, much more enjoyable than, than Sam does. Sam? I'm sure it's pretty easy to guess what you're giving this film yeah i it, it was i was pretty confident last week um i knew that the first two times i watched this film i gave it a three both times it's a three this time too it didn't change yeah it's a four for me turns out i was right about my opinion about the film <laughs> <laughs> who knew oh, wow you yeah, said it you said it's a four for you still i did yeah okay. all right all right i'm gonna quickly are you pulling up what i what i think you're pulling up right now I'm gonna quickly grab my uh, my average rating for my eleven okay. films. I'll introduce the uh, the concept of of what we're doing then. Okay. So that's all of the Star Wars movies. We've just talked about eleven Star Wars movies, and when I say just, I really mean over the last five years. Like I said, we made our way through the. Uh, we talked about all the original trilogy one year, uh, starting with A New Hope on May the fourth, and then the, uh, the following year we did uh, the sequel trilogy, starting with The Phantom Menace on May the fourth, and then. Last year, with the uh, with the sequel trilogy, we started with uh, the Force Awakens on May fourth and did them all in consecutive weeks on each of those trilogies. Uh, we also had Solo in there along the way, on, uh, reviewed on its release, not specifically for May the fourth, um, but for uh, uh, but just for the release of the film. Mm -hmm. So now we've we've covered all of our bases. A very natural way to progress is going to be ranking the films. Ranking the films uh, 1 through 11. Yeah. I imagine we'll probably go ascending order. Do you want to alternate or do you want to... I think it feels natural for us to go... Ascend, like, just go ascending order 11 to 1. Um, one of us goes and then the other goes. Oh, is that how you want to do it? It feels natural. Unless you feel like we should alternate. No. That does that does well because then that'll give me time to type. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Uh, who's starting off? Wait. Do you want me to go slowly so you can like type them all out? Or do you yeah. want me to just send you the list? No, you can, okay. you can type. We can go slowly because you're going to okay. yell reveal, then I'll reveal. Okay, time and we'll alternate that way. Okay. Ascending order. Okay. Yeah, you, so you go first because I got to type. Do you want to do average ratings first or after? Oh, okay. Average ratings. I'll, I'll go first my average ratings. Okay. Uh, it's 2.9. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. That's below a three. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a failing grade. Yeah. Looking, looking back at my ratings on some of them. I found some of them to be lower than I was anticipating, but it's what I gave them at the time when we did our podcast. I was going to ask you if you think I'm lower or higher. I'm pretty sure you can guess. It's higher. Mine is probably higher. Uh, and no, it is. I would have eased hundred percent off the bat. I would, I would have known you're higher. I think by less than you would expect. 3.3, 3.18. 3. 
so 3.2 3.2 if we're going to one decimal place one decimal place 3.2 which is pretty low i Can grew I, up i grew oh. up on the prequels yeah that's why i knew you'd be higher than me yeah because i don't give all of them a failing grade because of my childhood love for them yes all of them got a failing grade yeah <laughs> oh even revenge hey? yeah fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, okay fair enough <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna assume our number 11 is the same yeah the steaming pile of dog shit that is rise of skywalker uh that review was a lot of fun, actually. I think that came, if, if memory serves, that came at a time where we both had a little bit of tension in our lives, like in our personal lives. And this unfortunately bad film walked into our crosshairs. We kind of laid into it a little yeah. bit. It got one star from both of us. Sure did. We did not like this movie. No. Hold on. <laughs> Let me just quickly... We've never come up with a name for ones that we've given. Oh, yeah. Okay. To. So what Manny is thinking right now is that uh, we have what's called the Sam Pantheon. Yeah. Ooh, All yeah. films that have five stars from both of us on the podcast. It's yeah. got, the criteria is Manny gives it a five. I give it a five. And it has its own episode devoted to it. Yes. Um, and there are now, as of today, there's 33 films. I think so. Um, I because haven't we, actually, ha- we I have- haven't updated the list since we did Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. So, I think we did Sounds of the Lambs, which brought us to 31. No, Sounds of the Lambs is 30. Oh, it was 30. I'm missing one, then. You might be missing one. I'm missing one. I'll have to find out what it is. It's also funny, because Rachel pointed out that Whiplash did not make it on that list, because it's a lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we recorded a Whiplash episode, but it never got released, so... Um, and it got five stars from both of us, so that's kind of funny. But what Manny, is, what Manny is trying to say is that uh, there's no word for a film that got one star from both of us yeah. there's no we'll, we'll have to brainstorm something or if you're listening to this and you have an idea definitely let us know i would love an idea the sam pantheon is all the five out of five films yeah. what are the one star films there's called? only three of them um okay so we got rise of skywalker yes halloween town yes there's one other one <laughs> you'll know it uh is it color of night yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice i'm surprised none of the other razzies have been uh have been double ones but at yeah, least but they're good indecent proposal got three Indecent proposal was good it was solid same same score as rogue one you gave shining through a one i think i gave shining through a one but you gave it a two i gave it two because, because michael the, douglas michael douglas and the story itself yeah there was like a good concept yeah uh and then i gave hudson hawk a three because yeah. it's just so bad that it's just you can't help but love it <laughs> i definitely can't help but love it all right okay. anyway that's rise of skywalker number 11 my number 11 as well what's your number 10 okay my number 10 is solo wow i put solo there admittedly it's suffering from a couple of things partially my love of the prequels partially the fact that i haven't seen solo since its release so it does i'm sure if i rewatched it maybe a little whatever the opposite of recency bias is playing into this right now i guess it's still recency bias because the more recent ones that i've seen have climbed up a little bit okay um but just kind of by default solo next i don't hate the movie it just wasn't very good and very not memorable yeah fair uh my number 10 easily was my number 10 it's attack of the clones (laughs) yeah i bet that's my number nine okay so attack of the clones does get elevated a little bit because i can enjoy it ironically i grew up with the movie it's quotable i love hearing hayden christensen talk about sand i think it's hilarious and awkward and by i love it i mean i also hate it um so yeah for that reason it doesn't quite get the second worst slot um but yeah number nine okay so my number nine is phantom menace okay my number eight is phantom menace so (laughs) i think we're just gonna climb here a little bit so your number eight uh my number eight 
uh, is Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that makes sense. Mine is not. Um, sorry, we're on my number seven now. Your number seven. Okay, my number seven. You're, you're don't gonna, hit, I, don't hit me. You're gonna hurt my heart. I think you are. Return of the Jedi. I knew it. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Controversial, maybe. But I when, think it is. When we revisited that, when we did our our uh, original trilogy watch, I that movie is kind of boring. It's kind. It's a lot of Luke Skywalker staring out a window and the Emperor just monologuing about your training will be complete sort of situation. It's it's kind of a dull movie. So that was your seven. Yeah, we spend an hour with Jabba the Hutt at the beginning. A fucking hour. That's so way I, too long. I did say my eight was Revenge of the Sith, right? You did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so then my, we're on to my number seven, Return of the Jedi. My number seven is Solo. Okay. And then we've kind of reset. Okay. My number six, Rogue One. All right. Yeah. I think middle of the pack is kind of reasonable for this one. Just, yeah. just below the, the, the equator. I, I have no problem with that. Okay. Uh, my number... Uh, so my number six... Uh, is The Force Awakens. Okay. Reasonable placement. Uh, another one's probably going to make you hate me is uh, number five, Revenge of the Sith. Just a little bit oh, too high. Way too fucking yeah. high. Yeah. But Again, can... that's that's childhood bias. It that's is. That's I grew up with the film and uh, and have a dear place in the heart. I think like we agreed when we did the prequels. It is the best of the prequels. It's objectively a step up from the other ones. In my opinion, a large step up. In your opinion, a minor step up. Minor. Yeah. What... Anger's, I can feel my anger. <laughs> Release is, your is, anger. Is on this list, this would probably be as high as number two for Wes. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I love Wes, you, Wes, but Wes, it's, not, I, it's not that good. Wes, I, I love you, but when you come here to record Goodfellas, I will punch you in the face. The, the line that I love saying about Attack of the Clones and about a lot of stuff is, I like Attack of the Clones more than most people, and I fucking hate Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, it's my number 10. Yeah. Okay, so my number five? My number uh, five is yeah. Rogue One. Yeah, reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Your number four. Number four is The Force Awakens. All right. All right. Not The Corv, The Force. <laughs> Force Awakens. Yeah, it was a definitely a solid movie. It gets shot on a lot for being basically a New Hope reboot, which is valid, but A New Hope's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number four is The Last Jedi. Okay. Yep. I'm trying uh, to think of what you have. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you haven't picked. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern in the ones that you like. Yeah. For the same reason that you like certain ones as well. Yeah. Certain ones in the exactly prequels. Why it, exactly what it is. Your number, your, your bronze medal winner. Number three. Apologies to Chad and Wookiee, but The Last Jedi is objectively one of the best Star Wars movies ever made, and I'll fight anybody who says otherwise, <laughs> and I almost have. Uh, so my number three is Return of the Jedi, yeah. and that is 100% nostalgia. It is the – obviously, the last two were left are there because they are brilliant films, mm-hmm. but this is pure nostalgia. Yeah. The I, one – like, I, I can't fault you for the same reason that I have the prequels higher than maybe they ought to be, especially Revenge. Uh, I, I don't blame you for having this. I do think as a film it hasn't aged nearly as well as the other two in the original mm-hmm. trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have the same two at the top. I'm going to say they're probably in the same order. All right. So yeah. your number two is? Number two is A New Hope. Yeah. Okay. So we're exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, a New Hope is obviously a great film, uh, but Empire uh, made my top 20 of all time. I don't know if it would still be in there, especially as my Star Wars fandom has kind of waned over the last couple of years. Um, but Empire does get the nod at number one over A New Hope. Um, 
you know, I, I could rehash the, the monologue from Clerks right now if I wanted to, but, <laughs> but you know, suffice it to say, it, it's just a, a darker take and a great expansion of the original source material. It does everything a sequel needs to do and more. Should we redo our top 20 for our 300th episode? Maybe. Maybe we should. There would definitely be some changes. Yeah, I've been, think- I've been thinking about redoing it a lot. My top 10 would change. I think there would be some severe changes to mine. There would be as mine. Let's keep that in mind. I, it, it would be look, a rough estimation has it around February, March of next year for I, episode 300. I've kind of, I'm not going to do the whole list. I'm not going to look at everything right now, but looking at my top 20, there are several in there that I haven't watched in like five years mm-hmm. and would really like to do a rewatch on. I don't think I have Inglorious Bastards logged on Letterboxd. I don't think you do either. Which is crazy. I've been waiting for like an opportunity. I've been waiting for the right, for the right moment. And there's always one other movie on the watch list where I'm like, well, I should really, I should really knock this one off. But I miss that movie. It's like an old friend that I haven't called in a while. Mm-hmm. I miss it. Yeah. I miss my buddies, Hans and the Bear Jew. <laughs> I did love the, uh, the, I've been thinking nope. about the movie today because nope. we talked about Donnie nope. Donowitz in the, uh, in the group chat today. What? No. Nope. No what? No to the, you know exactly what no what. I don't know no what. The, you, you were in that conversation. <laughs> No. Oh I'd... no! Oh, you're saying no to the to the other casting? Yes. Okay. No. Okay. I want you, Manny, yes. and the listener to come on a journey with me for a second. Okay. We're in Inglorious Bastards. We are. Uh, we are. It's, two, it's 2009. 2009. Brad Pitt has a Nazi officer on his knees, threatening his life, and he and he talks about the bear Jew. He says, "There's a man, a Jewish hero." who's going to come out here and beat you to death with a baseball bat. A big, strong man is going to come out here and beat you with a baseball bat if you don't tell us what we want to know. The officer refuses. We turn to a dark tunnel, and we hear the knocking of a bat against the wall. And out of the tunnel exits Adam Sandler, (laughs) who was the original choice to be cast as Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. Personally... I think that's a hilarious idea, and that's my favorite movie of all time we're talking about here, but I, I'm thankful that it didn't come to pass, honestly. I think Eli Roth did did great in that role, but uh, Wes brought that trivia fact up uh, today in the in the group chat that, uh, that Donnie Donowitz was almost played by, by Adam Sandler. I can't do it. I also forgot to list Aldo the Apache, by the way, as one of my dear friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's... Uh, All right, so that's our rankings. That's our rankings. So I'll, I'll maybe just review just in order. 11, Rise of Skywalker. 10, Solo. 9, Attack of the Clones. 8, Phantom Menace. 7, Return of the Jedi. 6, Rogue One. 5, Revenge of the Sith. 4, The Force Awakens. 3, Last Jedi. 2, A New Hope. 1, Empire. Okay. Mine goes 11, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, 12, Rise of Skywalker. 13, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, my number 10 is Attack of the Clones. Uh, my number nine is The Phantom Menace. Number eight, Revenge of the Sith. Number seven, Solo. Number six, The Force Awakens. Number five, Rogue One. Number four, The Last Jedi. Number three, Return of the Jedi. Number two, A New Hope. And number one, The Empire Strikes Back. Sam, do you remember what movie we're doing next week? Yes, because I wrote it down. Perfect. My memory will not last two hours, so I had to write down the next week episode 252 is the beginning of our 1990 miniseries, yes. Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Miller's Crossing. And why are we doing Miller's Crossing? Uh, it's a Coen's movie. Yes. It's Coen's movie, early Coen's. Not the first. I think there's at least one in the 80s before. No, there's... A couple in the 80s? There's two. Well, there's Raising Arizona for sure mm-hmm. and Blood Simple off the top of my head. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I'm really excited to go back and revisit this. I actually, uh, the earliest Cohen movie that I have seen is Fargo. The earliest one that I've seen is back in 96. So. Wow, really? Yeah. I haven't seen Raising Arizona. I haven't, uh, haven't seen uh, a lot of others. Okay. One of my uh, one of my old coworkers. Sweet. One one of my old coworkers uh, always used to talk to me about uh, Raising Arizona. It's his favorite movie, and I it I think you'd love it. I really think I would too. Actually, I think you I would just love it. Like get in line, you know. Yeah. I got Inglorious Bastards to watch. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the also one of the main reasons we're we're throwing in Miller's Crossing is when we do our mini series. I've I've made it because my name's in the title of this podcast anytime there's a spielberg anytime there's one of my favorite directors we're doing his movie Mm -hmm. now a lot of the directors that sam really admires because he's younger than me they haven't even appeared yet Mm -hmm. in film with the exception of the coen brothers so i said i'm like why don't we start doing the coen brothers movies and what a wise decision it was and he was very excited because now we're back uh like i think of some of my favorite directors probably the one who was working the earliest was tarantino and uh, you know we're already pre Reservoir Dogs. Yep. So, who who else is there? Yeah. The Coens. So who else? Who will we be adding? So we'll obviously be adding Nolan. You like Nolan, right? I like Nolan. And then, well, Chazelle's not for a long time. Yeah, Chazelle's debut is with Whiplash. I don't know what other directors or, yeah. that you are passionate about. Yeah, Nolan, Chazelle, Coens, Spielberg. I don't know. That's, right, so we're good. Yeah, villain, right. villain of. But. Yeah, that's not for a while either. Yeah. All right. Um, but as per tradition, we get Sam trying to guess the plot of Miller's Crossing. Sam, what is Miller's Crossing about? Okay, so I legitimately know nothing about this film other than it is the Coens. I don't even know who's in it. Oh. Yeah, so um, I assume John Goodman appears at some point because it's the Coens. <laughs> maybe Francis McDormand I don't know um, yeah. Miller's Crossing well knowing the Coens it probably is a black comedy about a mundane somebody in a mundane profession um, let's say because it's Miller's Crossing it's about a crossing guard okay. it's about somebody in a in a mundane profession like a crossing guard who uh, witnesses a murder Ooh. and uh, needs to go uh, needs to go on the lam uh, to uh, to avoid being caught oh yeah so, um, in general, I think safe guess with Cohen movies is somebody in kind of a mundane line of work or who lives a mundane life or who lives in a mundane city, uh, has something extraordinary and criminal happen around them and hijinks ensues. And I think the backdrop for that is, uh, is that a crosswalk Okay. called Miller's Crossing? Excellent. So that's, that's the plot. Excellent. I look forward to seeing your face when we replay this next week. And John Goodman is the assassin. And John Goodman is the assassin. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to uh, to reviewing this movie with you. Uh, I have seen it, for those of you wondering. I will not review uh, my thoughts on it. Sam, I think, has a pretty good idea of what my opinion on this movie is, even though I haven't revealed it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you really liked it, but you yep. don't have to tell me if you don't want So we'll find out. Um, just avoid my letterbox. I'm pretty sure I know the rating you gave it to, but I won't even say as well. Okay, cool. Uh, So please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating, it does increase the profile of our podcast, allows more people to find us, which we would greatly appreciate. You can also rate us on Spotify, which would mean the world to us. Also, on Spotify, if you're listening to us on Spotify, go to the actual episode. I post questions on every episode we do. You can send us your answer. And if you do, 
I will respond to it on air the following week. Sweet. Yeah. I love that. Or and Sam will as well. Yeah, if it's good. If it's good. <laughs> no, I, I will too. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at SamMannyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterbox at Manny42 and Sam Reimer. If you are not on Letterboxd, you really should be. This is not a paid advertisement by Letterboxd. We just both... I, I really wish it was, though. Yeah. We love that app more than I can possibly explain. I just introduced the app to uh, a friend of our... A friend of mine. Sorry. A friend of mine um, who I really engage a lot about movies through Facebook. Um, I just introduced him to it, and he was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I was like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but Jackson... Shout out to you. What's up, Jackson? Welcome to Letterboxd. Um, that's it for uh, for that, for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. I'm Manny Manuel. I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!